Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Terror Radio Podcast, where we are dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and suspense old-time radio shows, as well as original stories. I'm your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd, and all I have to say is, tis the season to be scared as hell. The countdown continues. 15 days until Halloween. This is Terror Radio. Okay, now I know that most people feel as if the golden age of old time radio began in the 1920s and ended in the 1950s, or basically when television became a phenomenon. But I must say that over the years, I have discovered several radio programs from the 1960s, 70s, even 80s that are just as influential and entertaining as those created in the earlier decades, such as the two shows I'll be sharing with you tonight, Nightfall and Beyond Midnight. Now, our first program, Nightfall, ran from July 1980 to June 1983, and it aired on CBC Radio, which stands for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. It was created by producer Bill Howell, and featured two hosts, the first being Henry Rammer, who portrayed the character of the mysterious Luther Kranst from 1980 to 1982. And from 1982 to 1983, it was Don, and I hope I pronounce this correctly, Cole Chuck. And he voiced the character of Frederick Hende. Like most anthology shows, um, it had original stories, but it has several adaptations, such as Telltale Heart, The Monkey's Paw, The Signal Man, etc. Our play for tonight is entitled The Porch Light, and it first aired on February 26, 1982. So, sit back, turn down the lights, and enjoy The Porch Light. taking you out to a nice little place in the country. Of course, we can't promise that you'll know where you really are, even after you've arrived. The play, a first for Nightfall by Randy Brown, is called The Porch Light. Porch light on. 
time is it? God. Three o'clock in the morning. Wait a minute. I turned that light off before I came upstairs. Maybe Carol... No. She was already here in bed. I know I turned it off. How could it... Strange. Damn it. Now I won't get back to sleep until I turn that thing off. Try not to wake Carol. Where are my slippers? Dressing gown. It's cold. Feels as if the window's open. Tight. Must be a draft from somewhere. Oh, look at that storm. Must have snowed six inches in the last few hours. What's that? Something moved under the porch light down there. Can't see for this frost. Looks like. Looks like it's... Yes, it is. It's a man. Standing under the porch light. He's... My God, he's looking up here, waving. Like he wants me to come down. What the hell? What's he doing out there in this weather? Bob? Bob? I'm over here. What are you doing? There's a man under the porch light, <laughs> waving to me. Oh, come back to this. No, no, no. Come and see this. It's cold. Well, put on your dressing gown. Why don't you turn on the light? Not yet. There's something <laughs> strange. No. Why, why is he waving like that? He couldn't possibly see me. Why doesn't he knock? Oh, maybe... Maybe he knocked before and you didn't hear him. Could be. Something woke me. Look, he is there. You thought I was dreaming? No. What's he wearing? Looks like a jacket or... It's not a jacket, it's pajamas. Pajamas? Yeah, you're right, it is. Where could he come from wearing pajamas? Well, his car must have broken down. Who'd drive around the country in pajamas during a blizzard? Something funny. Funny isn't the word for No, I mean, he's standing there and... See in the pile of snow you shoveled today beside the front door? See the snow shovel sticking out? Yeah. See the shadow of it? Well, he's standing right beside it and... He's not throwing a shadow. Carol, I mean... Well, it's hard to see with all that snow blowing down there. But... Well, it must be a trick of the light or something. Anyway, I guess I'd better let him in before he freezes. Look at him waving like that. How could he even know we're home, let alone at this window? Oh, he knows we're here all right. The car's in the driveway, the porch light's on. Why'd you leave the porch light on? Well, I could swear I... Never mind. I'd better get down there. You still can't see a shadow. Yes, well, you're right. It is weird. I don't understand... Better go. Wonder who he is. Don't know, but we'll find out. Wait. Bob, I'm coming with you. 
Come into the kitchen. Uh, honey, he's knocking at the door. I've got to answer it. No, wait. Come in here for a sec. Look, Carol, the poor guy's freezing out there, and Bob, I... Bob, something's wrong. Look, he probably just needs to use the phone. I want you to be careful. What's the matter? That man, I don't think he's... I think there's something strange. Here. Take this with you in case. A knife? <laughs> Are you really so scared you want me to greet this guy with a knife in my hand? Just in case. Listen. Look, he's knocking. I'll be careful. It's only one guy, and he must be half frozen. I don't think I need it. <laughs> but leave the knife on the counter. Bob, I mean it. I don't think you should let him in unless... Unless there's somebody else here. Somebody else? Like who, for instance? Santa Claus? Call the police. Honey, you're too used to Toronto. We're living in the country now. The old PP is 20 miles away. Look, trust me, will you? I trust you. It's, it's uh... him, right? Yes. Well, don't worry. I'll be careful. You wait here. You can see the front door. If he tries anything, anything at all, phone the cops. Oh, I don't like this. Hang on, hang on, I'm coming. Hang on to your hat, I'll be right with you, my friend, right with you. Hello, what's... There's nobody here. Bob? Bob now, where there. the hell could he... Is there somebody out here? What are you doing? Yes, sir. All right, somebody's playing tricks, is that it? Where's the... The guy's gone. Where'd he go? Search me. Come back in here. I'll just take a look around the side. Hey, come off it, Carol. Stop playing games. Don't turn the light off. Ah! Ah! Hey, oh, what's going on here? What? Oh, I don't... Oh. Well, thanks a lot. What did you lock me out for? Are you idea of a joke or something? Bob, I didn't touch it. I didn't. It, it slammed and locked by itself. Sure. Okay, sure. Maybe the wind caught it, but you must have turned out the light. I didn't. I didn't. I swear. Come on. I don't believe I you, Carol. I swear to God I was standing right behind you, and, and, and the light went off, and the door slammed, and, and I saw the lock turn by itself. Well, sure, okay, whatever you say, uh, except that that happens to be a deadbolt. You have to turn it yourself. I didn't touch it or the porch That's light either. impossible. Watch. See? It won't move by itself, and the light doesn't move by itself either. I am not lying. Okay, you're not lying. The thing is, where's that guy? I can't figure. Wait. Hold on a second. Where... Where is footprints? Right there. No, 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 no. Those are mine. There aren't any footprints leading away. None at all except mine. What is going on? Now, you stay here, honey. I'm going to take another look. No, don't go out there again. Hold the door this time. Uh, and leave the light alone. Bob, get in here. Look. See? I'm standing right where he was. No footprints. And look at my shadow. It's huge. We couldn't have missed it. Even from upstairs. You're crazy going out there. <sighs> Hold, I'm freezing. I told you not to. I know, I know, I heard you. This is really strange. What do we do now? I, I... Carol. What? Did you... What? Did, did you really not? What? Did you really not turn off the light or... No. Hmm. Oh, I... Hey, 
you're shaking. Come here. <laughs> oh, Bob, I'm scared. Take it, take it easy. Take it easy. Don't worry. Don't worry, all right? That's the main thing. Come on now, brighten up. What are we going to do? Well, the first thing we're going to do is take a real good look around. Look around? Come oh, on now, open your eyes. Bob, I can't. I, I want to go back to bed. And leave me? No, I want you with me. Sure. We'll do that, but first we've got to. Come on now, stop shaking. I'm freezing. Me too. And we'll feel better once we start to move. Now, first I want to check the living room and then the dining room. Come on now. Are you coming? That man, who could he have been? What could he have been is more oh, like it. I don't even want to think about... Where are you going? Checking these windows. Nope. All locked. And so are the ones in the dining room. See, there's nothing to worry about. The whole house is locked up tight. Well, why are you checking the windows? You don't think... He... What? Do you think he might try breaking in? I don't know. Maybe. Oh, God, I think I'm going to be sick. Hey, Carol, relax. Just relax, Okay. Everything's locked up tight. Nobody could get in. There's nothing to worry about. Oh, Bob. Look, why don't we just go into the kitchen and get some coffee? My neck muscles. Tense. Call the police, please. Oh, for God's sake, Carolyn, tell them what. A man knocked, then disappeared. A lock turned, a switch moved. I can barely believe it myself. I can't understand it. It's like a nightmare. Just, just call them. They probably asked me if he landed in a spaceship. Then I'll call them. What's the number? Above the phone. Something's wrong. There's no dial tone. Is it plugged in? Y yes. Oh. Take it easy. Let me. Oh, let's see. It must be... You're... Yeah, it, it is. It's dead. What are you doing? Checking the cord. What are you looking for? Oh, nothing. Disappears here. I must go down to the basement. I'd better go down and check. Bob, no. You you think somebody cut it? I'm not thinking anything. Actually, the storm, the lines are probably down. Don't go into the basement, please. Okay, okay. Bob, wouldn't... Wouldn't what? Well, wouldn't... If the telephone lines are down, then wouldn't the electricity be off, too? Good point. I wish I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. I wish you hadn't either. Bob, I think... I think I hear... What? Something in the basement. Like what? I thought... I thought... I'll fix that. I'll lock the basement door. There. That'll do it. I'm sorry. It was probably just me. Maybe the furnace. I turned the thermostat up. I hope I don't start hearing things. Hey. Let's turn the radio on and get some music. That was Ray Whitaker and his big band for your enjoyment at 3.11 in the morning. Well, I guess it's time for our late-night weather report. Up to the minute weather from your local station, CKQE, serving the whole Huntsville region. And as all of you who are up right now at this time of the morning know, there's a bad storm out there. But that's what January is like. I guess we just have to love it, or we go to Florida. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. 
Anyway, the main highways are blocked at the moment because of heavy drifting, but we've been assured they'll be open by the morning. I guess all you people out there in the secondary roads better huddle down for a long wait before the plows get to you. Now, don't get out in your car, that is, if you can get out in the first place, and I don't think that's very likely. Now, police are warning everyone, stay off the road, so you pay attention now. We're getting the worst of it, maybe as much as one meter. Let's see here, one meter. That's 39 inches of snow. Whew, that's expected to fall in the next 24 hours. Now, don't worry, the crews are out. And everything is under control. And for a more cheerful note, tonight's hockey score in the... The police couldn't get here even if we could phone them. Nope, and we couldn't... We couldn't get out, is that what you... Yes. I wouldn't go out there with that man. Oh, why didn't we buy a house closer to you town? You know why, Carol? This one was so cheap. We thought there was something wrong with it, like it was stolen or something. It was okay last summer. It's all we could afford, and we couldn't have gotten anything half as good for the price in Toronto. It was cheap even for up here. Yeah, well, now I understand about that story. What story? The story the real estate agent told me. I never heard it. I know. I forgot all about it at the time, but... But what? This tonight reminded me. Oh, God, what? Tell me. Well, it happened ten years ago. The guy said... Uh, couple had been killed, murdered by an intruder. Here? Here, in this yes. house? Well, I never would have bought a house where... You know I never would have. That's why you... You didn't... never asked, Carol. Don't say that to me. You might as well have lied. Bob, that's... How could That's you... why we have a house at all. We couldn't have afforded it. Oh, any... no. Where were they? Not... Killed? No, not in our room. She was found here in the kitchen, and he... This is the odd part. Stop, please. Don't tell me any more. We're selling this house, that's all I have to say, and... <gasps> What's that? Footsteps. Upstairs. From... From our room. Sounds like... Sounds like steps on a wooden floor, but... Our bedroom's carpeted. Where are you going? Shh. Don't... Enough of this. You don't know what he'll do. If... If anybody's in there, come out, okay? We don't want trouble. I'm coming in. No, Bob, please don't. Stay here, Carol. Okay, I'm coming in. I'm coming in now. I just want to talk. Carol, there's no one in here. Hang on to me, Carol. Hang on. Oh, turn on the 
the lights, Bob. It's so dark. They're out, honey. The lights must be down somewhere. Oh, yeah. no. We've got candles, don't we? Do you remember where the candles are? In the, in the cupboard. Bob, somebody help us. Of course they will. Don't you worry. Now, which cupboard? I don't know. Uh, below the sink, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are. Matches. Here. And... There was light. Damn draft in here like a wind. It's so cold. It's the I'm draft. freezing. It's the draft. Now it's blown out the candle. There. Got it going now. That's better. Damn it. I can't keep the candle going. All right, Carol. I've got to get the flashlight. It's in the front hall no, closet. No, don't. Don't leave Darling, me Darling, listen. We've got to get out of here. I'm not going outside. That man's out there. Oh, I can't. You to, you've got to. Hear me? Now, no. I'm going to the front hall closet to get the flashlight, and I'll bring your coat. Oh, what if he's in there? Now, Chancy, be right back. Take the knife. Oh, 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 can you... Where is it? On the counter. Here, I need a light. Where? It's not there. Oh, no. Oh, what? A knife. It's stuck in the wall. Oh, how did it get there? God knows, but leave it there. No good against that. Whatever it is up there. Don't go back upstairs. I'm not. I'm not. He can stay up there for all I care. He can have the whole damn house if he wants to. You hear me? You can keep the whole damn place. Stop. Stop it. Don't worry, Carol. We're going to be all right. I'll be right back. Damn him. I'll get him this time. Oh, no! Nobody. In the porch, right? It's on. How can it be on? And no footprints here. The door! Bob! Bob! Is it?
back road's been snowed in now four days, you know, officer, and we've been driving our rigs down and plowing them out as fast as we could get to them. Like I was saying, this road's been blocked since the big storm. When did you see the body? Well, I was coming slow up the hill, and I saw like a stick coming out of the snow ahead. Thinking it was a tree branch, I stopped. I found him froze solid. Turns out it wasn't a branch. It was his arm sticking out. Do you know who it is? Not exactly, but I got an idea. Young couple bought the house about a mile back. Well, we'll drive down and take a look. Uh, you wait here and don't touch anything. There'll be another officer along to photograph him. Don't worry about me. I'm not going near him. Ah, well, look at his face. Well, this must be the place. Nobody's been in or out. Car's still in the driveway. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, how do you figure that guy got out in the road in his pajamas? Well, that's the $64 question. I say he was killed and dropped from a car. There was blood on him. Now, you don't get that from hypothermia. There weren't any wounds. I got a hunch we'll find our answer, if there is an answer, inside this house. What makes you so sure? How long you been on the force? A year. Over the last nine years, we've had a lot of calls from this house. It's been empty for the last year or so. But before this, anyone who rented it would call us to report waking up to find some guy in his pajamas waving to them from the front porch. Well, how'd they know he was there? Well, they could see him standing under the porch light. But when they went to the door, nobody there. And footsteps and lights going on and on. A uh, haunted house? You're kidding me. Well, everybody who lived here got out faster than they came in. Here, look. The front door's open and the window's broken. Yeah. Looks like it was smashed with the snow shovel there. And the porch light's on. I got a feeling what we're going to find. Let's go inside. Hello? Anybody home? Snow's drifted in. There's no heat. Take a look at here, in the kitchen. There doesn't seem to be anyone. My God. A woman. My God, look at her. Yeah. She looks the same as... As what? As ten years ago. The newspapers are going to have a field day with this one. But this isn't just a haunting, it's murder. It was murder ten years ago. We found the exact same thing. Woman here in the kitchen and the man out there even looked the same. Door open, window broken. Even the porch light was on. All oh, the newspapers played it up. We figured an intruder. But then the forensic lab got evidence from the husband's body. He killed her. And these people? God knows. just heard The Porch Light by Randy Brown. Okay, that one was a chiller. Now, I also read that CBC had received several complaints about the episodes being too scary, which doesn't make any sense to me, but anyway. And I guess uh, some affiliates actually dropped the show because of this. Ugh, wusses. Anyway, our second program is a South African radio series entitled Beyond Midnight. And this ran from 1968 
1970 on the Springbok Radio. And it was directed and produced by Michael McCabe. And that's about all the information I was able to find about this show. The play tonight is entitled Night in the Waxwork. And it first aired on January 31st, 1967. So you know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Night in the Waxwork. The last stragglers were leaving Mariner's waxworks. The uniformed attendants, glad that another day's work was over, were locking up. On the second floor of the old grey building, the manager, a stout, blonde man of smart appearance, was talking to one Raymond Hewson, who looked anything but smart. His clothes, although good once, were showing distinct signs of their owner's losing battle with the world. There's nothing new in your request. In fact, we diffuse it to many people. Young bloods have often made bets, but <laughs> we don't play ball. We've nothing to gain and something to lose by letting people spend a night in our murderer's den. A night in the murderer's den. That's what Raymond Hewson, the man in the shabby clothes, was after. Why? You'll find out. The waxworks. I must earnestly beseech you not to listen to this beyond midnight alone. Biotex, the new soak and pre-wash powder presents Beyond Midnight by Michael McCabe. I had a letter recently from Mrs. V.P. Head of 7th Street, Parkmore, to Huddersburg, and she said, I cannot fully describe my utter delight on returning to the washing to find the stubborn stains of two months standing completely removed. I am so glad I discovered your product, Biotex. And now Mrs. J. Longman of Cambridge, West East London, wrote to say, Just a word of thanks for your new soak and wash powder, Biotex. I find it almost too good to be true. I've just finished my first packet, and I washed all my baby's woolens with it, and they really do stay white. And what is more, they keep their shape so well, too. Once again, thanks for a wonderful product. I'm just hoping you won't wait too long before putting a large economy-sized packet on the market. Well, thank you, Mrs. Head of Parkmore and uh, Mrs. Longman for your endorsements. I, too, can endorse Biotex by making certain claims to you, ladies. The most important of which is that with Biotex, the stubbornest, the very stubbornest stains just vanish merely by soaking. Mm. certainly have nothing to gain. If I allowed it and let some young idiot lose his senses, what would be my decision, hmm? 
But of course, you're being a journalist, somehow uh, that alters the case. Well, I suppose you mean that journalists have no senses to lose. <laughs> no, 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 no. But one imagines them to be sensible, responsible people. Besides, here we have something to gain. Publicity and advertisement. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and there I thought uh, we might come to terms. Oh, I know what's coming. You want to be paid twice, do you? It used to be said years ago that Madame Toussaint's would give a man a hundred pounds for sleeping alone in the Chamber of Horrors. And I hope you don't think we've made any such offer. Now, well, what's your paper? Uh, well, I'm freelancing at the moment, uh, working on space for two or three papers. But, um, well, I don't think I'll have any trouble in getting this story published. <laughs> Do you? Morning Echo would use it like a shot. A night with mariners' murderers. No live paper could turn it down. Mm. Uh, how do you propose to treat it? Well, make it gruesome, of course. But uh, with just a saving touch of humour. I see. All right, Mr. Houston. Get your story published in the Echo. And a five-pound note waiting for you here when you care to come and call for it. I'd, uh, I'd like to be sure about you, though. And I'd like you to be sure about yourself. Huh? I must confess that I wouldn't spend a night in murderers' den... I've seen those figures dressed and undressed. I know all about their process of manufacture. I can walk about in company downstairs as if I were walking among so many skittles. But I'd hate to sleep alone down there amongst them. Why? I don't know. There isn't any reason. I mean, I don't believe in ghosts. Even if I did, I'd expect them to haunt the scenes of their crimes or, or the place where their bodies were laid, not a cellar which just happens to contain their waxwork effigies. It's just that I couldn't sit alone among them all night. <laughs> they, uh, they seem to stare so. Well, I mean, after all, they do represent the lowest and most appalling forms of humanity. Now, I wouldn't admit this publicly, of course, but the people who come to see our murderers aren't generally charged with the highest motives themselves. No, the whole atmosphere of the place is unpleasant. And if you're susceptible to atmosphere, I warn you, you're in for a very uncomfortable night. Uh, <clears throat> well, sir, uh, I'm imaginative, I think. I am probably susceptible to atmosphere, as you put it. But it's a good idea, and I have a wife and family to support. Been a bit uh, unlucky lately in the job stakes, you know. And, uh, well, we're living on my savings, which aren't great. But after all, they are only waxworks, aren't they? You're not superstitious? No, I don't think so. But you've just said that you have an imagination. As a journalist, you'd need a reasonably strong one, after all. The editors I've worked for have often complained I haven't any. <laughs> all right. I think the last of the people have gone. Now, wait a minute. I'll give orders that the figures happen to be draped. I'll let the night people know you're going to be there, too. One condition I'm afraid I must impose on you. I must ask you not to smoke. We had a fire scare down in the murderer's den this evening. I don't know who gave the alarm, but whoever it was, it was a false one. Fortunately, there weren't very many people down there at the time, or there might have been a panic. All right. A night with mariners' murderers you want, a night with mariners' murderers you shall have. In the passage at the bottom of the stairs were a few preliminary horrors. A rack taken from a medieval castle, relics of the Inquisition, branding irons, thumbscrews. Beyond was the passage into the murderer's den. Works. Fertel, the murderer of Weir, stood as if frozen in his diabolical act. Within five yards of him sat Mrs. Thompson. There was Lefroy, who killed Fagain so that he might ape the gentleman. And Charles Peace, sneering across.
across a gangway at Norman Thorne. Brown and Kennedy, the two most recent additions, stood between Mrs. Dyer and Patrick Mahon. That's Critton. I expect you recognize him. Um, insignificant little beast. Looks as if he couldn't turn on a worm. Oh, there's Armstrong. Looks like a decent, harmless country gentleman, doesn't he? And of course, there. Who's this? Oh, yes, I was coming to him. He's our star turn. He's the only one of the bunch who hasn't been hanged. The figure Hewson had indicated was that of a small, slight man, not more than five feet in height. It wore little waxed moustaches, large spectacles, and a caped coat. There was something so exaggeratedly French in his appearance that it reminded Hewson of a stage caricature. Who? Who is he? That is Dr. Bourdet. Oh. Well, I don't think I've... Uh... Well, some other name's familiar, but uh, I forget. Well, you'd remember better if you were a Frenchman. For some long while, that man was the terror of Paris. He carried on his work of healing by day and of throat-cutting by night when the fit was on him. He killed for the sheer devilish pleasure it gave him to kill. And always the same way, with a razor. After his last crime, he left a clue behind him which set the police on his track. Now, one clue led to another, and before long, they knew they were on the track of the Parisian equivalent of Jack the Ripper. They had enough evidence to send him to the madhouse or the guillotine on a dozen capital charges. And, uh, they, they, they caught him then? <laughs> no, no, no. Our friend was too clever for them. Oh. Even then, when he realized the net was closing, he just vanished. Disappeared off the face of the earth. Ever since the police of every civilized country have been searching for him. Oh. Where can he have possibly gone to? I mean, with such a hunt on for him. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Did himself in, obvious. But in such a way that prevented his body coming to light. Now, one or two crimes of a smaller, though similar nature, have taken place since he disappeared, but he's believed to be dead. The experts think the crimes of sense are, uh, you know, the actions of imitators. <laughs> Look at his eyes. Yes, that little figure's a masterpiece. You find the eyes bite into you, don't you? Uh, sort of, yes. Well, that's excellent realism, then. Hmm. What do you mean? Mesmerism. Pardon? Bourdet practiced mesmerism. He was supposed to mesmerize his victims before uh, <clears throat> dispatching them. Oh. Indeed, had he not done so, it's difficult to believe how so small a man could have done his ghastly work. Uh, he's very small, isn't he? Doesn't look very strong or anything. Well, there were never any signs of a struggle. There's an armchair here for you, Mr. Houston. It's the best we can do for you, I'm afraid. I hope you'll be able to get some sleep. But Mr. Houston. Mr. Houston. <laughs> you know, I thought... <laughs> yes? Uh, well, I thought... Um, just then... Um, well, I, I thought I saw... Uh, the, the doctor, uh, Baudet, uh, well, silly, but, well, I, I thought I saw him move. Keep your home sweet with country fresh atmosphere in every room. Keep Airwick handy. 
Airwick is the air freshener that actually knocks odors right out of the air. It doesn't just mask them with heavy scent. Airwick is the modern air freshener in economical bottle or a smart aerosol. Get Airwick. It makes breathing a little nicer. Soak, soak, that's all you have to do. Soak, soak, just for an hour or two. You find it's the best for the new way you use the biotech. With amazing new biotechs, the stubbornest stains will vanish. Yes, vanish clean away. Just by soaking your laundry overnight in cold water, or for an hour or two in warm water, or by pre-washing it quickly in your washing machine. Get amazing new biotechs today. Imagination. Silly, but... Well, I could have sworn... Just in... Just for a second. Uh, You'll have more than one optical illusion before the night's out, I'm afraid. Oh. They won't be locked in. You can come upstairs when you've had enough of it. Uh, there are watchmen on the premises, so you'll find company. But don't be alarmed if you hear them moving about. I'm sorry I can't give you any more light, but uh, all the lights are on. For obvious reasons, we keep the place as gloomy as possible. Uh, yes. And now I think you'd better return with me to the office for a tot of whiskey before your night's vigil, hmm? Yes, well, for a start, I, uh, I don't think we'll ever... My armchair-facing friend bored dead. Yeah, I think I like him a lot less than the others. Now, is he? Ha! Look at his eyes. Don't want to see his eyes. 
All the same, he had to eventually have a quick look round at Dr. Gordet. Only a waxwork like the rest of them. They're all only waxworks. All the same, he took another quick look behind him. Now, it did not worry Hewson too much because it was, after all, only his imagination. But there seemed to be a subtle change in the grouping of the figures around Dr. Bourdette. Or was it Dr. Bourdette himself? Huh. <sighs> Looking to the front of him, he looked at Crippen. Again, he had the slight feeling that something, somewhere, was a bit different. Crippen seemed, for instance, to have turned one degree to the left. I must have moved my chair a bit. Yeah. Not Crippen. It was me you moved. <laughs> and just then, the waxwork of Grey moved a hand. At least Hewson thought the hand moved. Just for his own peace of mind, Raymond Hewson gave the waxen figure a little poke. Wax. No more, no less. Lifeless, life-like wax. it wasn't you. <laughs> wasn't any of you. And then he looked back, and Crippen seemed to have shifted his position slightly. Hmm. Can't trust that little beggar. Can't trust any of them. Once you take your eyes off them, they move. Not good enough, this isn't. <laughs> I, I reckon I'm going. Not going to spin it up with a lot of waxworks and move when you aren't looking at them. I do see one of them move. I'll, I'll smash you to pieces. Smash you! <coughs> Experienced enough already to write my story. Ten stories for that matter. Yeah. Morning echo. Wouldn't know how long I'd stayed if I, if I cleared out now. As long as the story's good. Yes. That watchman up there. <laughs> he pulled my leg all right. Perhaps the manager wouldn't give me the fiver, too. Find out all right how long I was here from the watchman. <laughs> Rose will laugh about this, I tell her. 
Mm. You asleep, rascal? Or awake, thinking of me? <laughs> Can't have Rose laughing at me. Kids will pull my leg, too. Yeah. I think worse than... Hmm? Worse than having... Someone's breathing. Someone was breathing. Well, it wasn't me. They knew I was listening then. They, and then they stopped. Yeah, yes, they did. But this is too much. Bad enough when they move, when I'm not looking. But I'm not having the biggest breathing, too. No, this won't do. I am Raymond Hewson, unsuccessful journalist, but a living and breathing man. And these figures grouped around me are only dummies. Dummies! Yeah. What does it matter if they're lifelike? <laughs> Wax and sawdust for the entertainment of, of morbid sightseers and orange-sucking tourists. Ha! Then the gaze of Dr. Burdett urged, challenged, and finally compelled him to turn. Huh? Hewson stared into those dreadful hypnotic eyes. His own eyes were dilated and his mouth at first set into a grin of terror lifted at the corners into a snarl. You moved, blasted. Yes, you did. I saw you. I saw you. Baudet's movements were quite leisurely. He stepped off his pedestal with the mincing movements of a lady alighting from a bus. I need hardly tell you that not until I overheard the conversation between yourself and the worthy manager of this establishment did I suspect that I should have the pleasure of a companion here for the night. You cannot move or speak without my bidding. But you can hear perfectly well. Something tells me that uh, you are, uh, shall I say, nervous? Uh, my dear sir, uh, no illusions. I am not one of these contemptible little effigies suddenly come to life. I am Dr. Bourdette himself. <clears throat> Pardon me, but... Uh, uh, Steve, uh, let me explain. Circumstances with which I did not fatigue you have made it desirable that I should live in England. I was close to the building this evening when I saw a policeman regarding me thought too curiously. I guessed that he intended to follow me and perhaps ask embarrassing questions. So I mingled with the crowd and came in here. And inspiration showed me a certain means of escape. I raised a cry of fire. And when all the fools had rushed to the stairs, I stripped my effigy of the caped coat, which you behold me wearing... Donned it into my effigy behind the platform at the back there and took its place on the pedestal. <laughs> I own I have spent a most fatiguing evening. The world is divided into collectors and non-collectors. The collectors collect anything according to their own individual tastes. I collect thrones. <laughs> 
and the doctor regarded Hewson's throat with interest mingled with disfavor. My activities of late have been curtailed. I am glad, though, of the present opportunity of gratifying my somewhat unusual whim. I should never have selected you from choice, of course. No, I like men with thick necks. Thick red necks. This is a little French razor. The blade, you will observe, is very narrow. It does not cut very deep, but deep enough. In just one little moment, you shall see for yourself. I shall ask you the little civil question of all polite barbers. Does the razor suit you, sir? You will have the goodness to raise your chin a little. Thank you. And a little more. Just a little more. Ah, thank you. Merci, monsieur. Ah, merci. Over one end of the chamber was a thick skylight of frosted glass, which, by day, let in a few sickly and filtered rays from the floor above. After sunrise, these began to mingle with the subdued light from the electric bulbs, and this mingled illumination added a certain ghastliness to a scene which needed no additional touch of horror. The waxwork figures stood apathetically in their places, waiting to be admired by the crowds who would presently wander fearfully among them. In their midst, in the centre gangway, Hewson sat still, leaning far back in his armchair. His chin was up-tilted, as if he were expecting to receive attention from a barber, and although there was not a scratch upon his throat, nor indeed anywhere upon his whole body, he was cold and quite dead. His previous employers were wrong in having him credited with no imagination. Dr. Baudet, on his pedestal, watched the dead man unemotionally. He did not move, nor was he capable of motion. But then, after all, he was only a waxwork. that's our show for tonight I want to thank you all for joining me this evening again if you want to find me online you can find me at Facebook at facebook.com slash terror 1970 or you can look for me on Instagram at radio show nerd or Twitter radio show nerd one again this is Keith aka the radio show nerd signing off See you next week.